Why did God create you in the first place? Why are you even here on earth today? Well, I'll tell you, the purpose of your life, your destiny, is to know God and to live in a loving relationship with him. Your whole life is a quest. It's a journey to know who God is. Now, we're thinking today about how you can journey into that knowledge of God and what the challenges are on that journey. And then, most importantly, about how the quest for the knowledge of God will completely transform you, giving you energy and boldness and a new way of seeing the world and joy and peace in your life. That's what we all want, isn't it? Well, the quest on which you are embarking is a complete game changer and you will be transformed at the end of that journey from the person you are right now. Welcome to the Busy Christian Podcast with me, Steve Griffiths. Your life's purpose can be summed up in 12 words. Not words that I've come up with, but the words of the Westminster Shorter Catechism that was written in the 17th century by the Westminster Assembly, which was a group of religious leaders and theologians who got together to forge a new path for the church in England and Scotland. And in the catechism that they wrote, in the kind of discipleship material that they put together, a question was asked, and the question was this, what is the chief end of man? or in a more understandable way for today, what is our purpose in life? What is our ultimate aim, the ultimate goal? What is it we're all journeying towards? And the answer was summed up in 12 words. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Commit that to memory. Think about it every morning when you get up. Let it shape the day that lies ahead of you. Let that shape your dreams and your ambitions, because that is what you're here for, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And if we want to enjoy God forever, we need to know him, right? So here's the first thing about how to know God. You've got to have the right motivation. Why do you want to get to know God? Well, here's a good motivation, because we want our lives to be transformed by the power of love. And that happens in two ways as we get to know God better. Firstly, we get a deeper experience of his love for us. The more we know God, the more we can understand his heart, the more we can come to realise that the absolute core of his being is love, love, love. Not just in an abstract way, but love for you. God is so in love with you. He's so passionate about you. God is so obsessed with you. God's love for you is so intense that it drove his son to the cross. So the more you get to know God, the more you will experience that love. But secondly, the more we get to know God, the more we will love others. In John 13 verse 34, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give you, to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Loving others is dependent on us first experiencing Jesus' love for us. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you want to know how to love your family and your friends, if you want to know how to love your work colleagues or your fellow students or your teachers, and crucially, if you want to know how to love your enemies, those who've hurt you in the past or still hurt you today, then you've got to experience Jesus' love for you first. You've got to get to know Jesus first so that his love for you becomes the model, the example of how you are to love other people. 
So the greatest motivation perhaps for getting to know God is to experience love towards us and to share love with others. We don't just want a head knowledge of God. We want our knowledge of him to be a deep experience that will transform the very core of our being. We don't want knowledge about God. We want knowledge of God. If you want knowledge about God, then go and read some books or watch a few YouTube videos or check out some Facebook groups or whatever. You can learn about God anywhere. But we want knowledge of God, a deep and personal experience of him. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul makes that difference really clear. He says, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I've got plenty of knowledge about God. I've got a Bachelor of Theology degree. I've got a Master of Arts in Theology. I've got a Doctor of Philosophy with a PhD in Theology. I've written books and articles and uh, been lecturing in theology around the world for 25 years. But all of that is useless if I don't have a deep and profound knowledge of God, a deep and profound experience of God at work in my heart and transforming in my life. If I just relied on my knowledge about God, as Paul says, I could get puffed up with pride. But knowledge of God motivates me to love others because I constantly experience his love for me on a daily basis. And as a result of that, I want to share that love with others. But here's the problem. Is it really possible to know God? It's quite confusing, really, because the Bible is trying to hold in tension two very different ideas about this. On the one hand, God is utterly unknowable. He is so holy, so pure, so high in glory, so far above us that we could never possibly know him. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 18, there's the question asked really well, with whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? And the answer is simple. There is no one else. There is nothing else we can compare God to. We cannot compare him to anything. We cannot even begin to describe God. There's a sense in which God is utterly unknowable. And yet, on the other hand, in John chapter 17, verse 3, we read this. Eternal life means knowing you, the only true God, and knowing Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Eternal life is knowing God. If we are saved, we are experiencing eternal life. And so there must be a sense in which we can know God, because knowing God is the very definition of eternal life. So we have these two ideas going hand in hand. God is absolutely unknowable, and yet for those who are saved, God is knowable. So how can we possibly reconcile those two ideas? Well, here comes the science. In order to understand this, we need to talk about two different aspects of God. The first is what we call his essence, who God truly is within himself, the very being of God. And the technical term for this, the Latin term, is the quid of God. And the quid of God, the very essence of God, who he is in his being, is utterly unknowable. It's a bit like if we knew each other, we might be friends, we might hang out together, or you might watch my videos or listen to my podcasts and know what I think about a lot of stuff. But you still wouldn't know the very core of me. You wouldn't know me in the deepest part of my being, and I wouldn't know you in the deepest part of your being. You wouldn't know my essence, my quid, and I wouldn't know your essence, your quid. But as well as the essence of God, his inner being, his quid, that is unknowable, there is also his nature, who he is to us, how God behaves, 
what he does. And the technical Latin term for that is his qualis, like qualities. And we can know the qualis of God. We can know how God acts towards us. We can know how he interacts with the world. We can know and experience his love for us and his forgiveness and his grace and his compassion. And the same would be true for us as people as well. If we were friends or colleagues, or if you watch more of my videos or listen to more of my podcasts, then you would get to know my qualis. You get to know what I think about issues, how I interact with the world, what motivates me and so on. So you would know my qualis, my nature, but you wouldn't know my quid, my being, my inner essence, as it were. So can we truly know God? Well, the answer is both yes and no. We can know his qualis, how he behaves towards us and the world, but we can never know his quid, who God is in his inner being. So If our ultimate purpose in life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, then that won't happen by reading loads of books about God. It will only truly happen when we actually experience him for ourselves and experience how he interacts with the world. So how does that actually happen? How can we experience God and get to know him better? Well, I'm not going to list the literally millions of ways in which we can experience God. But what I want to do is to group these experiences together into three categories. Firstly, we all have an innate knowledge of God within us. To be honest, I find it a bit amusing when atheists ask me to prove God to them as if it's belief in God that is irrational and needs defending. But atheism non-belief in a god is a fairly recent phenomenon really since the 18th century onwards since the enlightenment in the western world the history of humanity going back thousands and thousands of years and in every part of the world has had a belief in a divine being a god a supreme power greater than themselves it's hardwired into the dna of human beings to believe in a supreme being or deity or god or whatever you want to call it so it seems to me that the onus is actually on atheists to disprove what has always been a core aspect of human being rather than the other way around. The truth is, since the beginning of time, human beings have always had an innate awareness of a divine power. And we, as Christians, believe that that is most fully revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. But whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, we all share that innate awareness of God or a divine power. Secondly, we acquire knowledge of God throughout our lives. We've all had that, haven't we, when we've looked at some incredible scenery in the countryside or we've looked up at the stars on a summer's evening or when we've looked on a newborn child or whatever. Just the very experience of life and the beauty of life and the beauty of the world makes us know that God must be real. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 1 verse 20? Ever since God created the world, his invisible qualities, both his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen. They are perceived in the things that God has made. So we have no excuse for not honouring God. And Psalm 19 has the same idea. How clearly the sky reveals God's glory. How plainly it shows what he has done. Acquired knowledge through rational observation and logical reasoning must lead us to the conclusion that God is real. Contrary to what the critics say, faith in a divine being is the most rational and logical system of belief 
that we can ever hold. Now, these two categories of how we can know God are common to all human beings throughout history, so they come under an umbrella term called general revelation. In these two ways, God reveals himself generally to all humanity. But the Christian faith does not teach that general revelation is enough for salvation. We can all get to know God better through general revelation, but to enjoy salvation and an eternal life with God, we need something more. And that is where our third category comes in, which we call special revelation. And special revelation is what is revealed specifically by God through the Bible, the Word of God, through God's relationship with believers, and crucially through the person of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. And it's through special revelation that salvation is made possible. As we come to know and experience God through the word of God, we come into a very particular type of relationship with him, which is the gateway to salvation and eternal life. But before we move on to think about how knowing God transforms our life, there's just one other uh, really important point I want to make, which is this, that we need to remember that it is God who communicates knowledge of himself to us, and we can't force the amount of knowledge that we can gain. One of the things I like to do is to learn languages. I'm not very good at languages, I must tell you that, but I do my best to learn new languages. And one, But one language I am uh, fairly fluent in, actually, other than English, is a language called Esperanto, a great world language, and I use it every day to communicate with people from literally dozens of countries. But I can only learn and use Esperanto if I put the effort into reading books and doing grammar exercises and practicing daily and researching the history of the language and so on. The effort to gain knowledge has to come from me. But with God, it's completely different. Studying theology and studying God is different from any other type of study. With language study, or if you're studying science or car mechanics or whatever it may be, We can use the books and we can master the subject. But when it comes to God, I can never master the subject because God is superior over me. And I can only ever know as much about God as he wants to reveal to me. If God doesn't want us to know something about him, then he just wouldn't reveal it to us. God communicates knowledge of himself to us, and we can only know as much as he communicates. And that's why the journey into knowing God has to be made in such deep humility. But more than that, even if God does reveal himself to you, you don't have any ability within yourself to understand him. Instead, God gives you his Holy Spirit, who reveals God to you, who interprets God to you, and leads you into a deeper knowledge and experience of God the Father. You need the Holy Spirit to give you right knowledge of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 to 12, only God's Spirit knows all about God. We have not received this world's spirit. Instead, we have received the spirit sent by God so that we may know all that God has given us. So by the work of the Holy Spirit within us, we can come to know God for ourselves as God communicates himself to us. So we are on a journey 
on a quest to know God better so we can glorify him and enjoy him forever. But as we make that journey, how does it transform our lives? Well, I want to suggest four ways. Firstly, if we grow in our knowledge and experience of God, we grow in energy and passion for him. There's a great verse in uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32, which says this, The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the interesting thing about this verse is the context in which it's set, that the passage is about a flow of ungodliness in the nation, the king of Syria, who would attack and destroy everything. The king, who in verse 28 we're told, is determined to destroy the religion of God's people. So the context of this verse is a society where the fundamentals of faith in God are under attack, where belief in God is being eroded in a society um, that is moving further and further away from faith by those who want to replace it with materialism and personal power. And in the midst of all this ungodliness, in verse 32, we hear this, the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. There is nothing passive about being a Christian. The more we get to know God and experience his power in our lives, the more passionate we will become about standing firm for God in a world that seems to be moving further and further away from him. Secondly, the more we get to know God, the bolder we become in mission and evangelism. The book of Acts is a story of a group of people who knew God as their personal Lord and Saviour, and so were prepared to do bold and courageous things for him. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, when Peter and the apostles were in court accused of inciting the crowds through their teaching, what did they say? They said, we must obey God, not men. And in Acts 20 verse 24, we see that Paul was so confident in his knowledge of God that he was prepared even to die for him. He says this, but I reckon my own life to be worth nothing to me. I only want to complete my mission and finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do, which is to declare the good news about the grace of God. These men were bold and fearless because they knew God. And we too, are called to be bold and fearless in our lives too. Thirdly, the more we get to know God, the more we are able to get a fresh perspective on life. We all struggle at times to understand what's going on in life. Uh, The world around us often seems very chaotic and in our own lives we often experience chaos as well. It can be hard to get a sense of where we're going and sometimes we may even lose hope altogether. But that tends to happen when we get caught up in the detail of life. But what happens when we get to know God better is that we are able to sort of step back from the detail and see the broader sweep of where our lives are heading or even the broader sweep of world history and where the world is heading. And when we do that, we are able to get a new perspective, a better perspective and a renewed sense of hope. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, there's a really good example of this, of that renewed perspective that comes from knowing God. Daniel prays this, God is wise and powerful. Praise him forever and ever. He controls the times and the seasons. It is he who gives wisdom and understanding. He knows what is hidden in darkness. He himself is surrounded by light. 
So Daniel, who was going through a very difficult time in his own life, and it would have been tempting for him to get caught up in the detail of all that, because he knew God, he was able to step back and sort of get a bird's eye view of what was going on in his own life and in the world around him. And then he was able to trust God and have a renewed sense of hope for his own life. And that's the type of prayer that can only come from someone who knows God in a personal way. And so for each one of us, if we want to get a better understanding on life and the world, and if we want to retain hope and vision for the future, that can only come when we know God better. And fourthly, the more we get to know God, the greater sense of peace we have. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul makes a wonderful claim. He says this, Now that we've been put right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, he's saying that we are at peace with God in the sense that we're no longer at war with him. But that change of status between us and God, once we've become reconciled to him, once we have become children of God, does bring with it a renewed sense of peace in our hearts as well, a depth of peace that the world cannot take away. And we live in a pretty transient society where spin is the substance and substance is the spin and depth tends to be lacking. But there's that wonderful verse in the Bible, isn't there, in Psalm 42 verse 7, where the writer talks about God and man communicating together. And he says, deep calls to deep. And I think that's a beautiful description of our relationship with God. Deep calls to deep. We must not be content with anything less than deep calling to deep. We must not be content with anything less than a deep experience of God that runs through our veins and fills the very depths of our souls. Only knowing God can bring that degree of peace. There is a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. We can't know everything there is to know about him, but we can know who he is to us. And once we begin apprehending God in that way, so our passion increases, our boldness increases, we get a fresh perspective on life, and we know what it is to have a deep sense of peace running through our soul. And that is the transformed life. That is the quest that we are all on. The meaning of life to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So I hope you found this podcast useful. Thank you for giving me so much of your time today. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye.